Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. There's a, uh, everybody's heard the, the phrase, uh, out of the mouths of babes, and, um, kids have a crazy way of speaking the truth, whether we want them to at the moment or not. And uh, so in preparation for this, instead of telling just one of my own stories, I asked for other people's stories. And so uh, I asked people on Facebook if they had any stories that were kind of, you know, in that out of the mouths of babes. And a young lady that used to go here, Amanda Ebsen, she said, it wasn't my kid, but a kid, I was at a Wendy's and there was a kid that was telling everybody about this cool stuff that he had done in his life. And, you know, I, I can just, I can picture that, you know, little kid and he's in a Wendy's and he's like, oh yeah, and I did this and I did this. And everybody's smiling and looking and he said, uh, he was telling everybody about all the cool stuff he'd done in his life. And then he paused a bit and said, and you know what happened after I turned four? And everybody's like, what? And he goes, I turned five. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. A uh, friend of mine from Midland said that one day his kid, I, I, he didn't explain it, but he probably should have because, you know, my imagination is pretty wild. He said that one day his, after church on Sunday, I don't know what was going on, but his kid looked at him and said, y'all need to go to two services. <laughs> uh, another friend of mine, uh, Heather Somerville, uh, she had a daughter. Kylie at three after a particularly trying day said, Dad, Mom was so mean to me. The dad said, well, how come? She goes, because all day I just tried her patience. Can you bring her home more for tomorrow? <laughs> Jennifer Carrico said that her four-year-old daughter was watching while her and her husband were pulling a calf. Afterward, the little girl kind of had her head cocked sideways and says, how'd that calf get in there? A little girl named Beretta Heath at age three said, you got to wear a cowboy hat so the cows know you're a cowboy. Well, that, there you go. That's why we do it right there. Everybody has wandered. That's it right there. <laughs> Jimmy Baxley said, we had just finished Brandon and were counting the calves as they were turned back in with their mamas when the owner of the ranch saw my little cousin who was about five years old and had been counting with his hand just like the ranch owner had. Now, I, I'm going to interject here. And, you know, a lot of them old timers, you know, they, they may count by threes or by fives and they just kind of do like this as they're counting the calves. So you can picture this ranch owner doing this as the calves are going out and this little boy's matching him. He said, when the owner of the ranch saw my little cousin who's about five years old had been counting with his hand just like he had, he asked my cousin, Kenny, how many did you count? Kenny answered without a pause, every one of them. That is my answer from now on. Robert always makes me count the cows. He said, how many did you get? I was like, how many did you get? Right, that's if he's on his horse. Uh, a lady named Twyla uh, Geisert, I'm sorry if I butchered your name, said, our daughter was around four when my husband was taking a mare to be bred and kept insisting she needed to go with dad. He finally asked her why she needed to go. She goes, well, I know how they poop them out. I just need to see how they get in there. <laughs> she went with her dad. 
And Sherry Welch said, when my son Shane was three, his dad took him to the barn to see the show cattle. Shane walked behind a bull and the bull kicked him, as bulls will do. And David brought him to the house with Shane just howling. He said, yeah, the bull kicked him. I said, well, that's what happens when you walk too close behind them. Then needing to know the nature of my son's wound, I said to my still howling child, Shane, where did that bull kick you? He said, down at the barn. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes, right? So last Sunday, after I got done preaching, uh, there's a little girl named Ellie, and she's done some little Bible verses up here. She gets real shy, and uh, she does her little Bible verse memorization. And Anyway, Ellie walked up to me with her little cousin, Laramie. And Ellie walked up, and she goes, Mr. Kevin, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure, sweetie. And so she goes, how do you know all that stuff? And I didn't really know how to answer that. I mean, I get asked questions all the time, but this was a tough one. And I said, well, you know, I do lots of reading. I do lots of studying, and I do lots of praying. Her cousin Laramie looked up and said, hey, you know what? And I said, what? She goes, you ought to try practice too. <laughs> I've never seen a burning bush, but I have seen a little blonde haired girl where the Holy Spirit just used her to speak right to me. <laughs> you ought to practice, that works too. <laughs> but you know, how do you, need, how do you know all the stuff that you need to know? I mean, isn't that kind of why we're here? Because we need to know some stuff. But how do we know all the stuff that we need to know? How do we learn that? Well, I've already given you the answers, but I'd like to go through them just a little bit because maybe there's a little bit, maybe I can give you a different perspective on uh, reading, studying, and praying because I think for the most part, whenever you tell somebody about Christianity and they're like, how do we grow? Like, oh, read, study, and pray. They're like, yeah. And then when do we push the toothpicks underneath our fingernails? Because that sounds, you know, boring. But maybe I can give you a different perspective on these things. This is what I've titled four ways to know the stuff that you need to know. Reading. You know, I, my grandmother growing up, was the county librarian. And so I was raised in a library. I love books. I love, I'm a voracious reader. I would rather read than watch TV. And, you know, when people tell me they don't like to read, you know, I say, well, I don't like being an adult, but it's something that I need to do whether I like it or not, right? And so, you know, I, I think that a lot of times that when people, you know, read the Bible, they're just kind of, Reading it, thinking that they're going to get some big revelation every single time, or they're going to understand everything. And listen, I read my Bible all the time, and you know what? A lot of it I still don't understand. I still do not understand. You know, sometimes you just got to, what I tell people is read until you do understand something. And when you find something you understand, work on that. Alistair Begg, a, a Scottish preacher, out of Cleveland, Ohio, I believe he is, Cincinnati or in Ohio somewhere. I love what he says all the time. He says, 
the plain things are the main things and the main things are the plain things. And I think that a lot of times we get so wrapped up in every little minute detail that, that we miss the big picture. And you know, I, I think that, that all of it, and, and I didn't come up with this, Jesus did. You know, he said that, that everything can be summed up into love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm not saying that, that now you know everything in that, but at the same time, if you can learn to read the Bible through those lenses of learning how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, man, it just, it really does. It opens it up to a, for lack of better words, a different dimension in things. You know, I, I think that, Reading the Bible is kind of like listening with your eyes because it's the Word of God. Now, most of us have never really, uh, you know, the burning bush. We've, we've, I've already demonstrated how God can speak through a child. But at the same time, that is God's Word. And while you may not be able to hear God directly, you can listen with your eyes by reading the Bible because the Bible is... God's love letter to his children. It's God's love letter to his children. Man, everything in there is about how much God loves us. And man, a lot of people, they start with the Old Testament and that thing gets pretty R-rated uh, with violence and, and other mature topics and you know, God's wiping people out. And it kind of gives this... Uh, indication that, you know, how is it, how is God loving, you know, and some people laugh and he's like, well, why did, uh, why did God tell uh, Saul to go wipe out this whole nation of people? How, how is that God's love? Well, that whole nation of people was sacrificing kids to Baal. And even though God said to wipe out every man, woman, and child, let me ask you a question. If, if you had a herd of horses that you loved more than anything else on the face of the earth and one of them got a deadly disease that if he hung around the other horses or any other horses at all that they would get sick and die as well would would you not remove that from your herd as that doesn't mean that you don't love that horse but at the same time you know that that's what the, this nation was doing man they was sacrificing kids and and some terrible, terrible things. And God in his infinite wisdom knew that if that continued unchecked, that that was gonna spread like a virus. So because of his love for everybody, he decided that that needed to go away. So, you know, when you read the Old Testament, man, God seems harsh and cruel. And then you read all of these things. I mean, you read the book of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and where it talks about the law and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. You know, you might ask yourself, who could do that? And the answer is simple, no one. That was the point. That was the point. You can't be good enough on your own. You cannot be good enough to be right in God's eyes. We need God to do that for us. We need a savior to be that ultimate sacrifice in the New Testament, especially in the gospels talks about when Jesus was here and the things that he taught 
And in the book of Acts, it talks about how Jesus was spread all over the world with, with the new church and, and speaking of love and, and Jesus' sacrifice and the forgiveness of sins and baptism and all of that. And then after Acts, when you get like through Romans through to Revelations, it's Jesus explained. And then when you get to Revelation, it's all about Jesus coming back. Man, that Bible is something that we need to be reading, and I think that we've just got a mental block on it, that we don't understand it, and this and that. And, you know, stuff can be twisted too, man. Scripture can always be twisted. If you, um, if you look, that's what the devil does. The devil takes a truth and twists it to uh, kind of a, of a perversion of the truth. And, you know, I, I was going to use this verse and it's always kind of been one of those that, that you hear and see preachers use, you know, if somebody, they, they use the sword against other Christians instead of uh, the other way around. But in the New King James Version in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, this is the New King James Version. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I've, I've, a lot of you might have heard that verse before or read it, and, and uh, religious people often use that to correct you and to rebuke you. And the Bible says, and I, you know, it's good for rebuking and blah, 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 right? Let's read it again in the New Living Translation, though. All Scripture, see, see where the focus is. In the first one, it's easily to be, uh, it's easy for somebody to say, I'm going to use scripture against you, right? But look how the focus changes in the New Living Translation. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us, teach us what is true and to make us realize the wrongs in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That, you know, that, that is not a deal so that I can get up here and, and teach you doctrine. Now, I do, but that verse isn't giving me some big holy power that I can rebuke you and correct you and so, that, so that I can do good works. No, that's not what it's talking about. That's not what it's talking about. It's about us. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip us to do every good work. Now, how are y'all going to know what to do if you don't read it? Seriously, seriously. I, I would probably say that 90, 80 to 90% of professed Christians do not read their Bibles in a, and I'm not talking about an everyday, but it's not an active part of their life. Usually people, oh, I'm going to go home. You may, may start tonight. I'm going to go home and I'm going to read through the whole Bible. That thing is a collection of 66 books and it's not a novel. It's not in chronological order for the most part. Actually, the earliest historical book is Job. 
you know? And, and so, and it's right in the middle, you know? So it, it's not chronological and, and people that don't know better want to read it all the way through. And I'm not, if that's what God's leading you to do, do it. I've never done it, but that's up to you. I've read every word of it, but I never felt led to read it like a novel because that's not what it is. Go read your Bibles. Reading is listening with your eyes so that we will know uh, what is true. There's lots of, these are facts. This is the truth. Eh. Uh, there's only one truth and that comes from God. So anyway, studying, studying. Now, if reading is boring, then studying is torture, right? I mean, who, who really wants to study? Now I, I do. I, I like, Daniel, can you turn that down a little bit of something? There's some echo or something. Um, now I've got, I've got these, uh, I've got this program that I can put in. If I'm not sure what a Bible verse means, I can plug it in there and it'll, it'll bring up all these different concordances and lexicons and uh, commentaries that explain what these Bible verses mean. But I, I don't really expect y'all to do that. But studying might not be your thing. You know, to me, studying means to take what I've read about God and learn about it in everyday life. Most of my studying is not done by reading words. What I do is, is I read the words and I read the Bible. And then whenever I go out, and it doesn't matter if I'm, at the, if, I'm at, uh, if I'm out in the pasture, it doesn't matter if I'm feeding, it doesn't matter if I'm uh, playing with my kids, it doesn't matter if I'm roping something, it doesn't matter if I'm at the gym, or it doesn't matter if I'm at the office. Man, I am constantly, constantly, constantly studying how to apply God's word in my everyday life. I'm not just like, well, you know, I, here's my study time. I'm going to study and then I'm not going to do anything the rest of the day. No, I read and then I study all day long. People always say, how do you come up with all these stories? That's how. I'm always looking for ways for God to speak to me about what I've read and and. Nearly every single week, there's that instance where I'm like, I read something. I'm like, oh, that's what that meant. That's what that meant. Studying doesn't have to be just sitting at your kitchen table or in your bed highlighting something out of a book. Man, take what you've read and study it in everyday life. But how do we know what to study if we don't know what God said? Once again, we've got to read. Four ways to know the stuff you need to know. Read. If you want to know the stuff you want to know, that's fine. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, I just don't, I, you know, I go to church. That's probably good enough. Listen, without reading and studying, and then the other two that we're talking about, that's like thinking that you can go work cattle with us because you've watched a John Wayne movie, okay? You're never going to be in the right spot at the right time. You know, we, we study the cowboy way of life. We, we, uh, we think about it and, and we, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Praying. How's your prayer life? You know, praying was never meant to be solely asking God for his help for yourself and others. Think about that. I mean, most people, you know, <laughs> and I, I know you. I know you that pray. You go something like this. God, we just thank you. We thank you for everything. And God, if you could, if you could give me a hand and I need to get some dog food at Walmart and, uh, and what was that guy talking about today? And, and you're gone, right? 
I know, I've been there. I I still go there sometimes. But praying was never just meant, yes, there is a time for doing what Jesus said and going into your closet and being alone and just just really getting with God one-on-one. But, you know, I think that it's, praying is more about learning how to keep your eyes on God all the time. I pray usually all day long. It doesn't matter if I'm driving down the road I'll talk to God. I imagine he's sitting in the back seat right past that rearview mirror where I can't see him. And I talk to him. I tell him about the good stuff. I tell him about the bad stuff. I ask him what in the world that guy in front of me is driving so slow for. But I just figure, you know, God's got a plan for that, you know. And uh, I don't know when they change the speed limit between Kai and Elizabeth to 40 miles an hour. Those of us that live out here understand that. <laughs> Golly. It drives my buddy Neil crazy. He calls me. There's somebody driving 35. I can't pass. But anyway, so you know, I, I pray all day long. I, I, I say, if I see something cool, I thank God for it. Hey, God, thanks for that. Thanks for that. I'll be, I'll be really thanking him when they get through the construction in Elizabeth. I'll be really thankful for that. But it's, you know, it's about learning how to keep your eyes on God. And it, it's really hard to sin while you're talking to God. It's really hard to sin while you're talking to God. Learn to pray all day long. You ain't got to be fancy. You know, I, I've said there's people that haven't been around as long as some of y'all not heads. But uh, anyway, there was this guy at the Baptist church that I used to go to when me and my wife first got married. And he always did the closing prayer. You know, we'd stand up and the preacher would say, you know, brother so-and-so, will you pray? And he prayed so immaculately. Dear Heavenly Father, thine will be done in our lives, Heavenly Father, and Heavenly Father, we ask that you grant us, Heavenly Father, that the will, just on and on and on. So anyway, I'd get in trouble because I'd count the Heavenly Fathers while he's going. I'd be like, one, two, three, my wife, shut up. It's like, well, he got up to like 62 one day. I was impressed. It's hard to use Heavenly Father 62 times. It was amazing. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I think we have this misconception that that's what prayer is, that you got to speak some foreign Christianese language. Well, God, uh, help me keep my mouth uh, closed. You, know, you don't have to talk like that, man. He's your dad. Just talk to him. you got big shoulders, too. I've had arguments with God. I've been really upset a few times, and I might actually even said a bad word during a prayer. You know what? I ain't saying it's right, but I think God would really rather me pour my heart out in the only way I knew how at the time than to not pray at all. You know, I wouldn't really call myself a prayer warrior. It's, it's really not that type of praying that you associate when you hear the Christian term prayer warrior. But I talk to God all the time. And after studying on this, maybe that's what a prayer warrior does. Maybe I am a prayer warrior. But maybe there are prayer medics. You know, those that are good at praying for others. You know, when they're sick and and stuff like that. And maybe there are prayer bards. You know what a bard is? Somebody that plays the lute and beautiful. You know, those that can come up with such beautiful prayers that the angels weep. That is not me. Maybe there are prayer special forces. You know, those that can bring nuclear bomb prayers, you know, when the time is needed, right? We need all of those people. But a prayer warrior, maybe that's someone who trains every single day to keep their eyes on God. And I would love to have a community, whether it's online community or sitting here today, full of all of these types of people in prayer. Ellen Rich on Facebook in this deal that I asked people, she said, my grandson Joseph, when he was three years old, said the best prayer I've ever heard. He said, dear God, I love you too. (laughs) Three years 
old. I love you too. Man, if that, if that don't get some of you, you ain't listening. I love you too. No wonder Jesus told us to, that, that we will never see the kingdom of God unless we become like little children. They're able to see the truth. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, that verse starts off with this three words, pray without ceasing. You can't actually do that. You can't actually do that. Prayer is not always an active speaking of the words aloud or in your heart. Sometimes it is listening and just how many of you that have lost parents or grandparents would love just one more time to sit down at the barn with them and not even have to say a word. Sometimes that's what we want. We need to do with our father. And finally, four ways to know the stuff you need to know. Practice, practice. Listen, when it comes to writing for God, practice will not make you perfect. No matter what you've heard, oh, practice makes perfect. Listen, practice will not make you perfect, but it will make you better. And we could all stand a little bit better in our lives. We could all stand to be a little bit better in our relationships with our loved ones. We could all be a little bit better in our relationships with our friends. We could all be a little bit better at loving God. We could all be a little bit better at giving God the credit he deserves in our lives instead of going to him thinking that he causes all of our problems and taking all of the credit for ourselves when things go right. Usually it's the other way around. He gets credit for all the things that we do good in our lives and when things go wrong, it's usually a result of us being not heads. When it comes to riding for God, practice won't make you perfect, but you won't get better without it. Joel LaCroix posted this. He said, we always spend, <laughs> I really thought about Save the Cowboy in this one. We always spent 30 to 45 minutes after church visiting with friends. In spite of us all having between us six to, kid, six to 10 impatient kids running around the place. We climbed in the old minivan when my hungry son, who was seven or eight years old at the time, said, Dad, if these are your friends, why don't you ever talk to them the other six days? Practice. Out of the mouths of babes. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we love you too. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.